Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We're in this, uh, we're in this series called How Do You Manage? And uh, I'm going to jump into that in just a moment. I want to also echo what Pastor Marco said in just greeting our campuses. And I'm so glad that you, you guys are tuned, uh, tuned in uh, at the campuses and uh, want you to lean into what God is going to speak. I feel like um, today uh, we really need God's help to receive this uh, message to be able to act on it and, and move with it. Today's Pentecost Sunday, so we're gonna pray and ask the Spirit of God, just so you know, we are a Holy Spirit-dependent church. Uh, you, won't, you won't see us trying to do anything without the Holy Spirit's guidance and help and, and strength, and so we're gonna pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help and, and, and guide this message. Would you pray with me right now? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Um, I thank you that your word is good in every single area of our life, and I pray as we hear this word today that we would uh, be ready to move, that we'd be ready to act, that we'd be ready to receive this, uh, to respond to it. Holy Spirit, help us to do that, uh, because we want to honor you in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. All right, we are Pentecostal Church, so you can say amen. Nobody's going to get too worried about it sitting around you. So get used to saying amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, and then we will uh, jump ahead to Matthew chapter 25. But I'm sorry, Matthew (laughs) 6. Matthew chapter 6, and then Matthew 25. And uh, these first couple of verses I'll read, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, and verse 24 kind of a a baseline for this uh, series on uh, how do you manage. And if you missed last Sunday morning, Pastor Matt launched this series, and if you missed it, I really strongly encourage you to go back and watch uh, the message from last Sunday. I I know we say that sometimes fairly often, but um, maybe on this topic even more importantly, because each week is kind of building on the last week and it's, it's gonna be important that you hear all three weeks and so if you're planning a vacation or something next week, cancel it, all right, just be in church, uh, take it up with Jesus, all right, this is his idea, not mine, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, if you are going away on vacation, which I have not approved any of you to do so, but if you have, uh, at least tune in online next week and, and uh, have church with us wherever you are, on, on a beach somewhere or something. But uh, yeah, go back and check out last week's uh, message, and, and uh, Pastor Matt shared some of these verses in, in, in last week as well. Okay, 19 through 21, Matthew 6 and verse 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So instead of storing up treasures here, this is Jesus talking. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, why would we store up treasures in heaven instead of storing up treasures on earth? Jesus answers that in the next verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of times people get that confused and they think that our treasure follows our heart. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says our heart follows our treasure. 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be, which is why we store up treasures in heaven. If we store up treasure in heaven, where will our heart be? Heaven. All right, and then in verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look at what Jesus chooses to put in the blank as he's getting ready to describe what is going to compete for our service, what's going to compete for our allegiance, what's going to compete for our affections. He could have said, you can't serve both God and culture. He could have said, you can't serve both God and your friends. You can't serve both God and your spouse. You can't serve both God and your job or your career. He didn't say any of those. He said, no, you can't serve God and money. It was as if Jesus knew that the man of our money was going to be a thing for us, that it was going to be a difficulty for us. Management is so important. That's why we're asking the question, how do you manage? And I have found that poor management is hard to hide. Have you noticed that? Anybody ever gone into a restaurant that's poorly managed? I mean, you can tell like pretty quick that a restaurant is poorly managed. I mean, the tables are dirty and the service is slow and people are mad to be there. Like the, the workers are mad to be there and the customers are, everybody's mad to be there. You can just tell when it's poorly managed. Now, you've been to those places. Here's my question, have you gone back? I, well, I have, that's the weird thing. It's like, <laughs> I get so intrigued by it. Sometimes I go back and sometimes it's a matter of like, I like chain restaurants and so I'll be craving a certain thing. And, we literally have this conversation all the time where we'll be craving a certain chain restaurant, and I'm not gonna mention which one because I wouldn't do that to uh, any restaurant to defame them here and use the, to, you know, this platform for that. You think I'm joking, I'm getting ready to say it, I'm not, I promise. Um, but uh, there's one that's not too far from here. It's a restaurant we, we like, and, uh, and it's got a chain, it's got locations all over, and the one closest to us, I don't, it doesn't seem like it's very well managed. And so every time we go, long lines, it's not very clean. Half the time they'll be out of half their food and like, oh, you know, it, it, it's just a, a, nobody's happy to be there. And so sometimes we'll be on our way. Well, that sounds good. And uh, sometimes we'll go, well, I guess we'll go there to this location. Like I think if my patience level is low, I'll be like, we just need to drive the extra 15 minutes because I am not having it today. Like I, but if I feel pretty spiritual, you know, like, I'll go, let's go, let's just try this, even though we know it's gonna be a bad experience, and we walk in, and sure enough, all the stuff that we thought was gonna happen, there it is, it's happening in full view, and probably, it's probably less like you go, well, that one employee or that one person dipping the food out, or that one person check, it probably comes down most of the time more to management, um, and so when, a, when, when, when you walk into a restaurant, and it's greatly managed, and man, you can just tell the difference, so Poor management is, is hard to hide, which is why it's so important for us, because we might think, well, nobody really knows, but you know what? The people close to your life, they know how you're managing, how you're managing the resource you have, and, and to be poorly managed is gonna turn your whole life into a mess, and so uh, that's where we're at right now with this, with this series, and, and as a matter of fact, in the, in the, the way that the world's uh, is kinda going, and the way the economy in our country is going, this is probably a really good time for us to take another look at how we are managing our resource and the church said, amen. amen. 
And uh, as Pastor Matt mentioned last weekend, it kind of takes two oars in the water, if you want to say it that way, or I could say it this way, it takes two legs for us to be good managers of our resource. And one leg of it is the giving component and the generosity component. And, uh, but that's just one leg. And so anytime anybody is preaching about generosity or giving, it's with the assumption that you also have the other leg going. Because if you only have one or the other, so the other is management, stewardship, what I'm doing with the money that I'm not giving, that's part of this, and part of it is the generosity and the giving. If I'm good at giving and poor at managing what I have left after I give, what that's going to do, it's going to be I'm taking a step with only one foot. It's just going to put me in circles. If I'm good at the management, some of you are great at management and spreadsheets and down to every dollar, but you're a little bit tight and you're not, uh, there's not a giving component. There's not a generosity component. What's going to happen? I'm really strong here, but I'm not going to make any progress. But when both are in function, when not only am I giving and generous and obedient to God in this area, but I'm also managing what I'm I'm living on and what I'm using, when I'm doing both of those, what happens in our life, we really make progress. That's what this, this thought is about as we talk about how do you manage. And I already feel it in the room. Somebody's going, well, how, why would you ever talk about money in church? I can't believe that. Maybe some of you, this is your first time here because we have guests every week because we, we like to invite people to church because we just think this place is pretty, pretty fun to be at. So uh, you might be one of those invitees today. And you got invited to church and you're already like, you're having this little inner dialogue with me and you're rolling your eyes only, it's not in real, I don't see it happening, but in your mind, you're rolling your eyes going, here we go again. Oh, another church, all they talk about is money. I don't know why you'd be talking about money. Listen, uh, here would be my answer to that, or I guess I would have a question to follow up that question. You ask me, why in the world would you talk about money? Here would be my question. Have you ever read the Bible? (laughs) No, seriously, like, have you ever read the Bible? The Bible talks so much about how we manage resource, how we manage money, how we manage our possessions. The Bible talks. And so if we were to leave that out, if we were to never talk about that for fear of being, uh, you know, misunderstood or someone to think that it's coming from some other place, um, listen, it's coming from a place of helping you. Like Pastor Matt said this last week, we would cover this not to get something from you, but to get something for you. That's why we would cover this, this thought. The Bible talks if we were to leave this out, I mean, just in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, just in those three Gospels, one out of every six verses deals with uh, money, talks about money. Did you know there are over 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? There are over 500 verses in the Bible concerning faith, but there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible on the subject of money and possessions. So we, we can't leave that out, and uh, we wouldn't want to. And so uh, what we're praying today is that today we would write the ship. I guess that's kind of like the subtitle within this title of how do you manage. My, 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 my subtitle would be writing the ship. We got three ships we're going to talk about today, ownership, stewardship, and partnership. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, we said we were going to read from there. Matthew 25, verse 14. And uh, read this, follow along with me in these verses. Matthew 25, 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey 
who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them, his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more bags of gold. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received uh, five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you've entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, uh, uh, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, remember this, come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold. Master, you've entrusted me with two bags. See, I got two more. His master said the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few. I'm gonna put you in charge of many. Come share your master's happiness. And then the man with the one. The man with the one bag of gold came and said, Master, I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid uh, your gold in the ground. So here it is. Here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I've not sown and gather where I don't scatter seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. That's interesting. Not, that's not even supposed to. For, for whoever, look what Jesus says, for whoever has will be given more. I don't even know if that's allowed. And they will have an abundance. Well, I don't even think we're supposed to do that. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. So there's a parable that Jesus tells. Obviously, we don't have to jump very far from that to see a lot of management going on with resource. Servant gives, uh, I mean, servants get resource from a master, and now they manage it. That's what's going on in this passage of Scripture. So we're going to pull out those, those three ships and write three ships uh, as we look at that parable. The first ship that we need to write to get going in the right direction is ownership. Ownership. The parable started, those very first couple of verses said, it's like a man going on a journey. He calls his servants that he trusts, and he trusts his wealth to them. One, he gives five bags of gold, two bags of gold, and one bag of gold. But here, this master is now trusting the servants with his resource, right? He owns it. And he gives it to his servants. That is a picture of us. Jesus would be the, uh, would be the master in this parable, and we would be the servants. So, so Jesus has entrusted into our life, of course, our own life and breath and days and potential and, and all of the giftings and all that, but also our resource. And I like to point out that this, this gift, this uh, resource that the that the uh, Master gives to these servants, it's big, all right? Like, uh, you've seen other versions, uh, other, uh, other versions of the Bible use the word talent. 
It's like, you've read that before. He, to one he gave five talents, to one he gave two talents, to another he gave one talent. You, you would read, read that, some of you thought, oh, some of them could sing and dance, and some of them could play, and some of them could, but that's not, a, a talent was a, a, a form of measurement, a weight. Um, and it was oh, not always exact, but somewhere between 50 and 75 pounds. And so when someone is getting five talents, five bags of gold, we're talking about some ser- serious money. It would have taken those day laborers uh, like almost two decades to make that much money. And this is what they're getting uh, from the master. Now right there, some of you are like, sign me up to work for him. Like I'm down for that. Five huge 75 pound bags of gold. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. I'll see how I manage, you know. Uh, so that's what's going on. And, and it, as, it's funny that Jesus tells this story and uses an extraordinary amount of money to tell the story, to use the parable. And I just think it could be this, that as he's the master, maybe there was a message within the message of this. Listen, God owns it all. God has, every, God has plenty. I just think somebody needs to hear that. God has plenty. Because some of us, we're getting done at the pump and filling up and looking at that, it's like three digits of fill up and used to be only, you know, two digits and now the fill ups are starting to get bigger and bigger. We're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And we go to the grocery store and it costs twice as much as it used to. And if we're not careful, we can start to panic. Listen, I think sometimes God wants to remind us, listen, I own it all. I'm okay. Uh, And so are you. So are you when you understand his ownership. It actually takes some of the pressure off of our life. This is a, this is a foundational conclusion that we all have to come to, uh, that we all have to arrive at. If we have any hope of riding the ship and managing well, it's this, is that God owns it all. He owns it all. And because of that, it now changes what I do, it changes the way uh, that, that, that I live and that I function. Uh, the amounts distributed were, were massive, and I think it's to communicate, listen, God's got this. God's got more than enough, but what we have of his, it's his. I, um, this was probably, man, years ago when my kids were all uh, quite a bit younger, but um, I remember one Saturday, my, my two Two of my middle sons, Noah and Jonah, they were on a baseball team together, and uh, I coached that team. And so, um, so we had games on Saturdays a lot of times. So when we would have a game day, a lot of times on Saturday morning, I'd get up early before anybody else was even up, and I'd run to Walmart, and I'd get a couple, two, two Gatorades, one for each of the boys, and I'd get two different colors because they would need to know whose is whose. And I had this little cooler that fit just about two Gatorades. That's all it fits. I put ice in there, put those two Gatorades in there, close the lid, and it would just sit there. And then it would come time to go for the game, and I'd grab the cooler, and we'd head up to the car. Boys haven't even noticed that it even exists yet. We get to the game and they'd start running. It'd be hot and everybody'd be going and, and then they'd start to get thirsty and then they'd say, Dad, is there anything? I'd say, oh, it's right there. Yeah, there's something to drink. So this happened fairly often. Well, one of those Saturday mornings I had done that and I'd gotten the, the two Gatorades in the cooler and, and uh, I was coaching well that day. I mean, I was really invested in it and I'm yelling at kids, positive, of course, but that, that is how I did it for real. I was always positive, but I was way to go and let's do this, yay. And I was working hard and sweating and getting hot and I started getting thirsty. And I remembered those Gatorades and so I opened up one of those coolers and I grabbed out whichever color I grabbed out that day and it wasn't even open yet. And I opened it and I took just a little bit of that uh, Gatorade and I put the lid back on, put it in the cooler and closed the cooler. 
I don't know, a few minutes goes by and uh, Jonah comes through after running the bases. He's hot. He says, Dad, is there anything to drink? I said, he's right there. He opens up the cooler and he pulls out his color because he knew which one was his. And when he pulled it out, he saw that the, that the seal had been broken, that some of the Gatorade was gone. And he looked up at me with those eight-year-old blue eyes and uh, with a little bit of like frustration, a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of anger, I'll say. And he posed this question to me. He looked up at me and said, did you drink some of my Gatorade? <laughs> and I'll be honest, in that moment, there was a split moment of panic. I, I was a little, I thought, I'm in trouble. I got caught. Like, I, I, the whole role had gotten shifted for a second. Uh, I thought about, like, telling a little fib and be like, no, I don't know what happened. Like, I just, these things happen, right, real fast. Like, just real fast. Where I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And then it hit me. I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. This, I'm not in trouble. Like, wait, this boy, this boy needs a lesson on ownership. That's what, he needs to understand ownership. Like this young man needs to understand that while he was asleep, dad was already providing for him. He needs to understand before he, mm, before he even got thirsty, I'm up at Walmart paying money for the, what he's gonna, for the need he's gonna have he doesn't even know he has yet. He needs to understand that I'm the one that, if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't have any Gatorade. And so he needs to understand that even if I take a little bit, let's say I took like 10% of it, No, I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just picking out like an arbitrary amount. Like, let's say I just took about 10% of it. Like, there's still plenty for him and, and uh, he needs to understand this. So, so basically, I kind of said a little bit like that to him. Explain that in a short way. Now, here's the thing. What if, let's say this, what if with the rest of the Gatorade that he had, Let's say he's looking at the, the dirt and the, the, the clay, and let's say he didn't do this, but let's say he took it and it was a, it was a blue Gatorade that day and, and, and the, the ground, the, the clay there, the dirt, and he says, I wonder what the dirt would look like if it was blue. And so he takes it and he just pours out all that Gatorade there on the dirt. And then the next week he's got a red one and he says, oh, I wanna see what the dirt looked like if it was red. And let's say he did that for two or three weeks. He can't get mad at me for being thirsty because he wasted it. Nor am I going to be all that excited about buying him a Gatorade on week four when week three, week two, and week one, they all got poured out and wasted. Now, let's say it this way. Let's say we're at a game and it went down like this and he just sees me out here coaching and I'm going for it and I'm sweating and I'm, let's say he just takes his Gatorade that's not even open yet and he cracks and goes, Dad, you look thirsty here. I'll tell you what would have happened. Next week, I show up with four Gatorades for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, here. And if I do that, and he goes, Dad, I'm not going to drink all these here. Why don't you just have a whole one? Next week, I'll show up with a 12-pack. Like, I don't even care. Because it shows an understanding of ownership. Ownership makes giving easy. Ownership makes tithing uh, easy. It makes tithing uh, sensical. It makes tithing, tithing practical. And so we're going to take a moment and we're going to honor God in our, in our giving of his tithes and our offerings. Can we celebrate right now across this room the fact that God knew your needs before you knew your needs and God has already provided. I know it's a little unusual, but here in the middle of the message, we're just going to take a moment and pray over this offering. And maybe some of you have never tithed and maybe the reason why you haven't is because you had never seen it as, listen, it all belongs to God. If you have $750, let's say you made $750 this week, how much of that belongs to God? All of it. 
Somebody goes, well, doesn't 75, though, belong to him? Yes, 75 is holy. 10% of it is holy, separated unto God. We'll explain a little bit more of that in the coming weeks. But it all belongs to God. And so this is, this is, this is something that, that we can easily do once we understand ownership. Let's pray, ask God just to anoint and bless this moment of offering, this moment of worship. Lord, across all of our campuses now, we just pause and say thank you. Thank you for seeing our needs before we even knew we had them. Thank you for providing before we even saw the provision coming. And Lord, as, a, as an understanding of, of you owning everything and every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord, today we return to you um, a, a holy offering. We return to you. And by doing so, God, we're acknowledging that it's yours. It's all yours. So I pray for those that are maybe launching out and beginning to tithe, maybe for the first time today. Pray you'll help them to do that. Give them strength today. Bless them, bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we talked about ownership. God bless you as you give. Let me keep going. Let me keep preaching. We also, another ship that I think we have to write is stewardship. Stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Now, that is a word that probably gets a little bit overused because we start to use that word for a lot of different things. And so churches will have stewardship campaigns um, and uh, people will talk about, will maybe say we're gonna talk about stewardship and they're, they're just talking about giving or generosity, which is part, yes, part of stewardship, but it's not completely all of stewardship. So we're gonna see the stewardship happen in this passage of scripture with, with the uh, with these bags of gold, with these talents of gold, verse 15 through 18, we see stewardship happen. This is what it says. To one he gave five bags, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey. The man who had received five bags, now he stewards what he has. And he puts it to money to work and he gains five more. So also the one with two bags gains two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money, did not steward well. We see stewardship going on in this passage of scripture. Um, uh, let, me, let me define what a steward is, because it's a biblical term that doesn't use the ton. Uh, manage probably is a little bit more in our vernacular, but let me, let me say what the word, I, I, it's a lot of definitions of steward, stewardship out there. I love this one. A steward, what is a steward? Someone who manages someone else's property but not according to their own vision and values, but according to the owner's vision and values. You like that? Let me say that again. So if I'm stewarding what is yours, I'm doing so honoring your vision and values. If I'm a good steward, I'm not stewarding your resource according to my vision and values. This is why every, every like spending decision we make is actually a spiritual decision. Some of us, we like to think, well, you know, especially if we're tithers, we go, well, now, I mean, with this other 90%, like, there's no spirituality connected to this. I can do with it whatever I want to. I can spend it. I can waste it. I can lose most of it to interest rates and, and, and debt. And, like, that part doesn't really matter. Listen, it does matter. Why? Because it all belongs to God, and we're stewarding it. And there is a reward for good stewardship, which we will get to. So it does matter what we're doing with what we've got. 
If I, uh, if I found like at the end of service today and let's say your credit card slipped out of your purse, your wallet, and it was laying there in the, in the, in the aisle or something as I'm walking out and I find it and I was like, oh, I know her. Yeah, she lost her credit card. And her, I know her, her, her limit's probably big. What if I took that and said, hey fam, we are going out today, like somewhere nice, some, a restaurant that's really well managed. You know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna, we're gonna do, and then after that, we're gonna go shopping. We're gonna have some fun. Like let's do this. And then we're gonna go online and we're gonna get a bunch of stuff and get our house all tricked out. It's gonna be amazing. And all of a sudden you, you start getting all these notifications of all this money being spent. And um, I call you later and I say, hey, I'm the one that found your credit card. And you're like, what's going on? I said, oh yeah, we had some fun. See, be, you, you would be finding a new church like immediately. While I'm on the phone with you, you'd be like other churches in the Orlando area. You'd be ready to go. Why? Because I don't have rights to yours. I at that point would have a responsibility, but I don't have rights to yours. That's the thing about ownership. The owner has the right, the steward has the responsibility. So God has the right to give us what he sees fit to give us. God has the right to give somebody else more than what we're getting. God has that right. We have the responsibility to manage what he's given us well. And so let me, let me talk about a couple practical things really quick as we think about spending decisions being spiritual decisions. Uh, first practical would be this. Live within your means. This, now, I'm getting ready to throw out a, a, I'm talking like a master's level finance class statement here. Like, you don't get this everywhere. All right, so get ready. Like, we're talking high level financial wisdom. Don't spend more than you make. Boom. A mic drop. Like, thank you. That's high level stuff, I know. I mean, mind blowing. And so we laugh and go, ha ha, that's so funny. That's, everybody knows that. But we don't live that. Some of us, matter of fact, I heard one stat that said um, Americans spend $1.40 for every dollar they make. I, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of how we, it becomes more about like what we want and not what we can afford. And so there has to be a, a decision made if we're going to be good stewards that I live within my means. I heard one pastor say it this way, act your wage. Like, quit comparing yourself to everybody else and, well, they went on a vacation and they went and did this and they bought all those new clothes. I know, they can't afford it either. Like, they're in debt just like you are. That does, quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, says it this way. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? And some of you are like, I know, that's why I don't build towers. I'm not talking about building towers, so what's that verse got to do with me? Okay, well then let's say it this way. Suppose one of you wants to buy a coffee. Won't they first sit down and figure out if they got enough money to pay for it? What if suppose one of you wants to get her nails done? What if, what if suppose one of you wants to have nine streaming services? Suppose one of you wants to play golf. Won't you first sit down and see, uh, suppose one of you uh, wants to go on Amazon.com. Won't you first sit down? Now here's the thing. Are any of those things in and of themselves morally wrong? No, but they become wrong if they put me in the bondage of slavery to debt and if I'm spending things I don't have. Some of us rarely pray about big purchases or even, I mean, pray, heck, pray about small purchases, but I'm, we're gonna start with the big ones. 
Very few of us pray about big purchases. And if you did, and you say, God, now do I need this? And should I buy this? God would probably just direct your attention. You say, just go to your balance sheet. Just go to the ledger. Just look. And you'd be like, well, it's right now it's negative 330. He'd be like, there's your answer. All right. <laughs> it would be that simple. Like, you'd be like, I heard the voice of the Lord today. Live within your means. Start, start that. Like that has to be, that's, it's so foundational, but many of us are making that mistake. Uh, deal with debt. That would be another practical I would throw out there. Like deal with debt with intensity. Like get out of debt as much and as quickly as you can. The average American family, um, their debt they carry is 14000 over $14,000. The average American family, uh, Family in America is just at $14,000 in debt. Um, six of that in credit card alone for the average family. Now let's just say this. Let's say you're trying to pay back uh, $14,000 in debt and you're gonna do so. Let's say it's $14,000 of credit card debt and you're gonna pay that back um, by making the minimum payments, okay? Which the credit cards love for you to make the minimum payments. So there you are making minimum payment on your $14,000 debt. You will pay that debt if you don't add any more to it. You don't spend that. You cut the card, but you're paying minimum payments. You'll pay that debt off, that $14,000. you will pay it off in 40 years making minimum payments. And by the time you pay it off, you will have spent, it'll cost you over $100,000, the $14,000. The, the, the $14,000, the little goofy stuff you have is now going to cost you $100,000. Why? Because of interest rate and debt. And so deal with debt, get into a class that's gonna help you deal with debt. Matter of fact, we got a class that's starting, I actually started last week, but it's still going, it'll be right after this service, and um, there's a QR code. If you wanna take a picture of that, it'll get you the link to that class and get more information about it, but that's some of the stuff that they cover. Uh, of course, the Dave, Dave Ramsey course, we offer that around here too, and he talks about dealing with debt and the debt snowball, and I don't have time to, to run into all of that, but deal with debt. Proverbs chapter 22, verse seven says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You are not to be enslaved to anything. You are to be free, free to be a servant of our master, to be a servant of Jesus. That's what you're called to be. And Jesus, Jesus already said you can't serve both. You can't serve both God and money. And so uh, deal with debt. And the, the third practical would just be this. Show self-control. Like just be able to say no to some things. Like at certain times and certain seasons of your life, you just got to learn how to say no. Some of you are still paying for Christmas and you should have just said no. I know that because we did it one time in our marriage. It was one Christmas, probably like 2000. One or two or somewhere in that range, maybe 03, I can't remember which one it was, but the kids were kind of all old enough to understand stuff, and we got one big present for one of the kids, and we're like, well, we've got to get big presents for all the kids. And so we, I mean, we just started getting in this giving spirit, you know, the Christmas spirit, the credit card spirit. That's all it was. It was, uh, we don't have to pay for it now. And so, and my wife got into it so much, she even bought me a big gift that year, which I didn't mind that part so much. I mean, I think of all of the family, I, I'm just kidding. No, but that was really one of the very, very few times in our life where we, we got under, the, under this um, weight of credit card debt and we were paying that dumb Christmas off for months and months and that was the one time we made that mistake with credit cards. So have some self-control. I like what Proverbs 13, 7 says, one person pretends to be rich and yet has nothing. 
Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. You ever met that guy before that's driving the old clunker and living in a normal house and then his net worth is like three million? You're like, whoa. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> he didn't pretend to be rich when he wasn't. So now he is rich, even though he's pretending. All right, amen. <laughs> Listen, God doesn't mind you having things. God doesn't mind you having resource, but God doesn't want the things to have you. That's what happens with, with debt. That's what's happened when I spend without my means. I no longer, have, no longer have the things, but now the things have me. I no longer, no longer have resource. Now resource has me. I want you to watch um, this uh, short little story, this short little video uh, of uh, Sammy and Amy Lou, great couple in our church, and uh, a little bit of their journey. Check this out. 2007 through 2020 basically was a span of us really racking and racking and racking up debt, um, living paycheck to paycheck, struggling. Within getting married, even before we started getting debt, and within the years, you know, going on trips, every trip has to go in a credit card because if you wanna travel, that's the way you have to do it. That's what we thought. We had our son, and we had to go to Toys R Us and get all the goodies and all the stuff for the baby, everything on a credit card. So, you know, different stores, and we would just go and pop the uh, credit card. And we kept doing it, and we noticed that the stores will kept increasing our uh, balance. And we rank up almost $100,000 in credit cards within the time, in our 15 years of marriage, basically. This is weekly debt. Um, on how much uh, I used to pay every week. I mean, there was weeks on here that I, uh, like that's all I had left, $196 one time. Then comes 2021, and we made a commitment to attend the, the Ramsey. Financial Freedom. Financial Freedom class. Um, and we were doing it uh, every Thursday at the Michigan campus. From then on, we really started seeing how we could get out of debt. So it started with the house being sold, that the money that we made there, we put it towards that. It was hard for him to give the 10 sometimes. So we, in 2021, he starts doing the, this is it, this is the way we're gonna tithe. And we started cutting stuff based on the Ramsey teaching. It was eliminate all that is not necessary, is this a need or if I want. Uh, so we started doing that and uh, sticking to the budget. We received bonuses and- That literally uh, came out of nowhere. Nowhere. Uh, checks from uh, hospitals that you have paid extra money on bills. Uh, we sold a, a car to go down in debt. And as of January of this year, we were able to finish paying almost $100,000 in credit cards. It took a year, basically, to get rid of all that debt. But through tithing and through the course that we had, um, it really, really helped out. I mean, I think, to me, just being able to tithe without thinking twice had a huge impact in it because I committed 100%. God, you know my financial situation, but uh, I'm gonna do it. Let's get praise, yeah. <clears throat> the, the last, just as I close, the last ship that I want you to think about today, ownership, stewardship, but I want you to think about this, partnership. 
um, a cool twist happens in this parable. Those, those servants go from being servants to partners. When, they, when, they, when the master shows up to settle accounts and they say, oh, I, we, were good, we were good stewards, we were good managers of your resource, what does he say? He says, well done. You were faithful in the small things. I'll make you ruler of, of bigger things. You, you come and enjoy my happiness. There is a blessing upon good stewardship. You, you go, I, I knew there was a blessing on giving and generosity, and yes, there is. It's just a side effect. We don't give to get, we get to give, it's a, but blessing is a side effect. But there's also a blessing to good stewardship, a reward, a partnership with God. God is a great partner. Matter of fact, even in that parable, we go, he gave one of them five bags, one of them two bags, and one of them one bags. That's not fair. I'm just throwing this out. Maybe this wasn't the master's first trip. Those were given out according to their ability. Maybe the guy who got five, maybe the last trip he got two, but he did good with the two. And the master decides, I can trust you with more. You were faithful with little, I'll make you ruler of many. You, 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 get to be, you get to walk into a different level of happiness because you've managed well. This is spiritual, it is. And the reason why we would want to manage well is once you get to that level of partnership with God, where God's able to give through you and you're able to be blessed to be a blessing, and you don't have the stress and the weight. Listen, your, your life is happier, your marriage is happier, your family's happier, because you don't have that extra stress and weight. That thing that most married couples fight about the most is the stress of, of financial uh, burden. You don't have that. Man, it changes your, come enter your master's happiness. That's what, that's what, that sounds like our master's happiness to me. And what did he say to the one who had the one bag? who didn't do anything with it. This is, this is what the master said to him. He said, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. I, I just, I thought that was interesting that the word lazy got put in there. Because I, I know what's real. I know that some of us, we're, are, that it's like a mountain of, of maybe financial mistakes or we haven't been paying attention to it like we should, or maybe it's a valley and we just feel like I can't climb out. And there would be a part of us that just goes, I, I'm just gonna keep going. I just wanna keep doing life and I just don't wanna give the energy to it. So it's just interesting that the, that the one who didn't steward well, he's like, laziness is your problem. And, and so I'm not calling anybody lazy. What I'm saying is this, I wanna make sure that I'm not lazy. I wanna make sure I'm diligent. When, when there's a diligence there, Proverbs 21 says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. I thought we weren't allowed to have prosperity. No, there's, there's, there's a blessing. There's a blessing that just comes from being obedient to God. It's not, it's not about getting rich. Prosperity is about having more than what you need. That's what prosperity is. Why would, why would I want that? So I could be a blessing to others. So I could, so I could greatly be a, be a part of ministry in, in a lot of different ways. Hard work leads to prosperity, but, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. There's no shortcut to this. It's gonna take some, some work from, from some of us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.